You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the Helping Spirits. So I call out first to our ancestors, yours and mine, to those people who lived well and died well and bring to us the legacy in our lives through the bloodlines of all that is good and true and beautiful. I call out to these ancestors to help us to meet the challenges of our day, to be the living, to do what the living have come here to do and to do so in a way that draws on the gifts on those who have come before us. And so I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today to help us the living to do what must be done for those who are coming so that those who are coming can look back and call on their ancestors and to be proud that they are communicating with us. And so I call out then to the ancestors who are non-human, those who were here before humans, those of the natural world, I call out to those in the mountains and the rivers, to the great lakes, to the great forests and plains. I call out to the ancestors that are in all of the many, many environments that encompass this great planet. And I call out to the earth herself. I call out to these energies, these ancestral energies, all the way to the very first elemental energies and ask these ancestors to stand with us, to help us to learn to be better humans. And to do what the humans are uniquely here to do. And to do so in a way that brings joy and laughter into the world. And so with these ancestors gathering around us, let us focus our awareness from wherever it might be into our heads. From our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies. And let us take a moment and extend down from our bellies to the earth. We take a moment to give thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought all life as we know it to the face of this planet. We give thanks for the generosity in the dream that allows us to heal and to grow and to change as long as we are still breathing. We give great gratitude to the earth for beauty, for generosity, for the diversity in all things here on this planet and for the endless resource of teachers that we have here in nature in its many forms. We give such gratitude to the earth and we give thanks to the earth for life, the sweet miracle of life that we each hold and none of us understand, but we give thanks to the earth for giving us a place to be alive and to be well. And with enormous gratitude in our hearts, let us now move down through the layers of the earth, allowing this gratitude to pour out of our hearts as we go, moving down through the layers of the earth all the way to the very center of the earth. And we take a moment here to connect in with the darkness, the stillness, the silence, the peace. 
We connect into this energy that is ready to be everything but is not yet anything at all. To this energy that is the essence that restores. The energy that will rise up and be abundance but has not done that yet. We connect into this energy and with our hearts, we, we dip into the energy to draw up just as we would draw a handful of water to our mouth. We draw this earth energy up, drawing this crystal clear, silvery, pure energy up through all the layers of the earth, all the way up into our body, drawing into ourselves this energy of restoration and rejuvenation, refreshment, replenishment, this ability to restore. We call this energy into ourselves that we might use it to ground ourselves deeply into the center of the earth. To create a strong sense of place that we can stand on and come to know in our life the confidence of where we stand and what we stand for. To feel our own sovereignty and dominion in that and to use it to create a sense of home and hearth and belonging. And to do this in a way that opens the fullness of the heart to others, especially those who are different than we are, that we might bring in new ideas, new ways of being to our very table to feed them and nourish them and allow them to inspire us and hope that we can inspire them so that together in the great diversity of who we are, we can all become better humans. May we open to this sense of home and place and through this begin to understand connection and interconnection within ourselves, with others, with the environment. And open out to understand in that more esoteric knowing our oneness with all things. To take our place in that oneness and from this to come into right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment and right relationship with the invisible world and with these energies of the earth moving through us to refresh and restore and renew us that we can come into ourselves into our presence into our place let us rise up from our belly to our heart our heart to our mind and from our mind let us reach out and up into the sky moving through whatever weather it holds for you in this moment reaching out through the sky through the atmosphere and all the way up into the cosmos all the way through that velvety darkness with the brilliant stars and all the great mysteries all the wonderful things that are out there we do not yet even understand but we are seeing pictures of and know there is so much more out in the world and we reach through all of that to the highest power of the universe and by whatever way or name we know this energy let us connect with it and draw it down drawing into our lives this energy of blessing this great beneficence of the universe and the generosity in this and the benevolence of the universe we draw in the energy of protection and devotion and commitment and we draw in these energies that we might feel inspired and that might illuminate the path. We call these energies down from above, drawing this golden energy from the sky into the top of our head, from our heads to our heart, our hearts to our belly, and down from our belly all the way into the center of the earth. And in this way, in the human body, we open up to become the meeting place of heaven and earth, 
the two great legendary lovers, earth and sky, and it is from their big love that birthed all this experience of form into existence. And so with great gratitude for their presence within us, we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our human heart. And we ask that heart to open, opening this crucible of transformation that exists only in the heart. And we draw up the fiery passions of the belly and down the crystal clarity of the mind into the heart that they might be there together in a way that their dynamic tension will give rise to this third most sacred thing, which is a sense, a feeling, a knowing, a memory, a vision of why we are here. And may you find in that human heart the courage that you need to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts, that thing which you are here to do, to bring it into the world in actual physical manifestation. May you find that courage in your heart and draw support from all the helping spirits that are around us. We give great, great gratitude for that help. And we ask that what needs to be said be said and what needs to be heard be heard and that these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I give great gratitude to all of you who are willing to donate financially to this show. If this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you into inspiration or irritation, if it moves you into creativity or wanting to break something, you've been moved. One way or another, you've been moved in the heart. And I ask you to do this fundamental act of shamanism, which is to let the things that move your heart motivate your actions in the world and i ask you to do something large or small to help the grow the show to grow in its meaning in its purpose in its vitality in its strength help it to spread through sharing the shows commenting on the links on the facebook page bringing these ideas into conversations in your life bringing these practices into your actions in your life bringing them into your journey circles do something with it one way or another to help the show to grow. You're welcome to ask questions via email, offer show ideas, um, to share with me what happens as you do engage with the show. Um, But most important, we all need to do something to help the show to stay vital, to stay meaningful, and to stay alive, and to keep it available for free to anyone who can access the internet. The shows are available on iTunes at whyshamanismnow.com and at co-creatornetwork.com. They are free and available to people all over the world. So help me keep that a reality. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button, donate any amount, large or small. As I have said many times, I'm not really expecting anyone to donate $5,000, although that would be lovely. But I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation to ask a thousand of you to donate five. That seems realistic and it is actually the way to keep things moving and exchanging and happening around the show. So thank you all very much. So we are not live today, uh, but you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org if you have questions about today's show. So today is the final show in our series about working with the elements um, and today's show is about water. And just to remind you, there is um, a show in the archives about working with the elements in general. 
larger context, why would we bother? And then we've done a sequence of shows here, four shows about the elements, earth, air, fire, and today about water and why we would work with them and what it, what it's, um, what happens in our life when we're in a healthy relationship with these elements. And so the reason that we are bothering is because in the beginning, in the very, very beginning, before time, before space, there was nothing, nothingness dreamt. And out of that dream came a spark of fire and a crystal of ice. And so this is grandfather fire. We talked about this last week. And grandmother ice or water. And they came into existence, and as they continued to dream, they dreamt of the elements, all the elements dreamt, and before we knew it, we had universes and planets and people listening to podcasts. We're all born of the dream. Every single one of us is a dreamer. And so these elements then are our first and most ancient ancestors. Their energies are simple and non-human, and this is the point of these four shows is that we humans can get ourselves very complicated, twisted around, um, make things more complex than they need to be, making mountains out of molehills. We get in anxiety. We get completely freaked out. We get lost. We get distracted. We get trapped. This is what humans do in their effort to create and express. And it is the elements in their purity, in their complete surrender to who they are, that they help us surrender to our true selves and find the pathway out of whatever mess it is that we've made. Because they give us a simple way, because they give us a way to flow, to be open, to let go and to move on. And it all begins with our willingness in our life. These relationships with these elements begins with our willingness in our life to open up our connection through our own center channel to the earth below and the sky above and to open up to the cosmic energies, these elemental energies that are bigger than we are. And in that way to begin to become in in relationship with them and through relationship with them allow them to help us to be better humans. And so today we talk about water. The old woman paired with grandfather fire, the old man. And she is our first and most ancient ancestor. And so we call out here today to the spirit of water beginning in that first crystal of ice melting in the fire, the heat of the grandfather, melting and moving in to the forms that rise in the mists, in the fogs, rising up to become weather, and in the weather then raining down, snowing down, falling down through hail and ice, coming down into the solid forms, freezing into great glaciers that seem to be solid, but yet are slowly moving. Water, always moving, the great shapeshifter, beginning to melt, beginning to run, beginning to trickle, to be a tiny creek, a stream, a river, 
a great and mighty river flowing ultimately to the sea. We call out to the spirit of water, the great shapeshifter, who is in the drop of dew, the rain caught in a leaf in the calla lily, in a puddle on the road, in a pond filled with tadpoles and water skippers, in a lake, in a great lake, in the great underground aquifers that feed the people and the land. We call out to water that flows, that pools, but runs always ultimately back to the great sea and from the great seas and oceans rising up again to become the weather and to rain back down again. Water, the great shapeshifter. We call out to the spirit of water to be with us here today to understand the power of the shapeshifter to heal, to reconcile, and to bring peace. The Dagra speak of water as having a somewhat different quality than all the other elements. They have a five-element system and they work with all five, but the water, it's somehow just a bit different sort of being. They see that as they travel over great bodies of water, that their power objects tend to lose power. That the water somehow functions with an intelligence of its own, which makes you think twice about the work of Emoto and his water crystals. That water, the great shapeshifter, that has no exact form of its own, but takes all forms, solid, gaseous, liquid, flowing into containers, flowing out again. Water, the great shapeshifter, somehow somewhat different, somewhat more than, somewhat more of a being than all the other energies. So water, the great shapeshifter, is showing us that healing requires shapeshifting. Whatever needs to be healed is there because it is the logical conclusion of who you are in this moment. So healing requires that who you are shapeshift, that your life changes into a life that doesn't support that which needs the healing. Water, the great reconciler, is showing us that reconciliation requires shapeshifting. Water shows us that peace requires shape-shifting. There will never be peace between peoples that refuse to change, to shape-shift, to understand the grace and the power and the willingness to change form. One of the most important teachings in the cycle of transformation comes in the second year, as you need what you learn in the first year to begin to even start engaging with these teachings and this is about the power to transform enemies into allies and central to that power the power to transform an enemy into ally is your willingness to shapeshift to change not as a deception to pretend I'm a deer so I can get away but to truly shapeshift to change yourself 
into the person the enemy could be an ally with, all the while supporting the shape-shifting of the enemy into the ally. That this act of shape-shifting is the act of warriorship that brings healing, that brings the possibility for reconciliation, and that could someday actually bring peace. But we have lost this art long ago. The art of the shapeshifter, the willingness to surrender form, to become what is needed, to become the medicine the world needs you to be. Healing requires that we fundamentally change our story, that we change the life we are living. Those people who have miraculous healings have walked out of the life that logically resulted in that illness and allowed it to change. I have dear, beloved clients who as much as they say, I am willing to do anything, it is a simple fact that they are not. They're not willing to shapeshift that keeps them in relationship with their illness. The water is here to teach us that. And I go to the water again and again. I live in a part of the world that is abundant in water because I need to remember how to shapeshift, why to shapeshift, to not be so attached to my form so that I can be healing, I can be reconciling, I can be a force for peace in the world. Reconciliation requires that we change our position to allow the energy to flow into a new space that does not yet exist, but it is that space where reconciliation can happen. Peace, peacemaking, it actually requires even greater transformation and shape-shifting. The shape-shifting that allows what was the enemy to now be the ally. Which goes, of course, both ways. Because we are the enemy to our enemy. And so we, we need to create the space that allows the energy to flow so that each one moves from this form of enemy to enemy into this form of the way in which we could be allies. This requires a fundamental change in the quality of the relationship because you have been willing to change, to flow, and to embrace the gifts of water. Water is considered life-inducing. I mean, when you think about it, it is the source of all things as we understand life. So in terms of life as we know it, water is the source. Uh, the theme that all life arose out of primal waters of creation is woven through the creation myths of almost every culture. Water purifies, water regenerates, water heals and restores. It refreshes, it replenishes. In shamanic healing work, water is used in its physical form, for example, as a libation or an offering to cleanse either the shaman or the patient. Um, shamans in many cultures utilize the energy of water directly from specific sites uh, by conducting their healings or initiations at or near a particular well or spring, a pool or waterfall or even the sea. 
um, or any actual manifestations of water where there are special energies to draw on. A friend of mine tells a story about being on a um, really crowded, crazy beach down in California and walking along the beach. And as he was walking along the beach, right at the, um, you know, the water line between the hard sand and the dry sand, you know, walking along the beach, he walked past these two people, these two sort of native looking people in the midst of all this crazy Californian beach life going on. And as he walked past them, all the sound stopped and suddenly all he could hear was the ocean. And then as he walked out away from them, all the noise started again. And so he backed up and he realized that these two people, this simple man and woman here at the beach were creating this bubble around themselves because they were actually in a very ancient sacred ritual, a ritual performed by their parents and their grandparents and their great grandparents all the way back to the first people of their people. And that these people um, pilgrimaged to the ocean, to the Pacific Ocean, every year to connect with the sea and to have this ritual with the sea. And that here were just two people in the midst of all this crazy California beach life that created this complete bubble around them so that as my friend stepped into the bubble, all that crazy California beach life was gone. The sounds of traffic, the sounds of music, the sounds of people and children and life, gone. In this sacred space with these two where all you could hear was the sea and their chanting and their speaking and the voice of their ancestors moving through them. This is the power of working with water. Water is also used in healing in its um, energetic form in the journey space. You know, so for example, water can be used to restore or regenerate um, a lost soul part prior to returning it to the patient. Sometimes they are, um, often I'll ask, where do I go to restore the energy of this soul part to its true form? Because it's all beat up or toxic or whatever it is from having suffered whatever caused the soul loss in the first place. And I'm often taken to some some place of water to simply cleanse them, a place where they um, often to the sea where they float and maybe sea animals come and help them. But it's a place to purify and to cleanse and to let go of the pain and the wounding that they carry and to come back in a form that is aligned with their real gifts, their true energy. So another healing process is the shaman may actually guide the soul um, on a journey to return to the source. And sometimes soul parts are taken to the source, but it's a return to the source, the source of all things, right? To be go to the source, which we often is often symbolized as a fresh spring of water, somewhere like a high alpine source or something like that. But in that water, drinking of that water, being in that water, being in the source, reconnecting uh, with the source, bringing in the source and assimilating that energy through drinking it allows the soul part to reconnect with the source and in a sense reprogram to return to that memory of where they came from and to reconnect with their life's purpose. And so this is very important. The, the, the function of water as a purifier, but also as this means by which through that purification, we reconnect with the source, with our original blueprint and code, and we reconnect with why we are here.
So the role of water in shamanic healing rituals is also to provide uh, the reconciliation and restoration that comes after the purification and the cleansing. And so shamans themselves often leave (laughs) the everyday world. They often kind of run away um, and immerse themselves in some sacred pool or waterfall, some place to cleanse themselves in their own regular maintenance and restoration of their own energy. So the role of water is defined specifically in the cosmologies of different cultures. And it's different and they're all accurate and real, of course. But one example is the Dagra living in uh, West Africa, where there are two seasons each year. There's a wet season and a dry season. In the wet season, all you do is grow things because it's the only time you can. In the dry season, you fix things and you do ritual because you can't grow anything because there's no water. So the presence of water in the wet season then reconciles all of the issues of the dry season when you can't dry any food. I mean, grow any food. So the Dagra see the water then as this great peacemaker and reconciler. In contrast, like the native peoples that live in Amazonia, for example, who live in a land of water, they're in a rainforest with great rivers flowing through their world. They see water as direct connection back to their ancestors and to the first people. They actually see the rivers themselves as these enormous snakes that create this vast network of rivers through their rainforest. And so the tails of the snakes are up at the source and the heads of the snakes are are at the river's mouth as it empties into other rivers or actually into the sea. And so these are people, of course, who live with great anaconda water snakes. And so this isn't a big stretch of their imagination. And so... But this is bigger than that in their cosmology because it is it echoes back to the story, their creation story of the celestial anaconda, you know, the great serpent from the cosmos who brought the first man and first woman through from the Milky Way in, in a great canoe, um, which is the snake, um, that carried in it the yucca, the coca, and the... Uh, ayahuasca brought their sacred food and their sacred spirit food you know brought these energies with them as the first man and the first woman arrive with this great cosmic serpent with all that they need to survive and come out through the waterfall together and there they are and so for these people the waterfalls are the beginning and then the great great snaking rivers flow through their world and give them the roads out to the sea And so for these people who live in a place of water, 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 water all the time, their relationship with water and their cosmology is different than the Dagra who only get water half the year and hopefully that. So natural wells and springs where water rises up to people and animals are also, of course, held as sacred places. Um, They are places of healing and transformation. And the reason for this is first practical. That water plays an essential role in the prosperity of the land. And so when a well or the spirit of the well is abused or treated with disrespect, a well can run dry. If that happens, the land, the crops, and the people will suffer. So wells and springs can be used as direct openings to the lower world to provide a connection to all the other realms in the invisible world. 
the well is also a direct connection to the wisdom and the source of all things. Shamans from around the world believe rivers, springs, lakes, wells, and the sea flow ultimately from the source and thus bring the messages from spirit up from the lower world, from wherever that they bring the messages because it all connects the water and it's great shape shifting and cycling through all these different phases and forms connects to the source and brings the message to the people. So Celtic shamans of Europe and the British Isles believe that the water itself was wise in part because of its beginnings at the source and in part because of the knowledge it gains by moving through these many transformations of form and reconciling its opposites. It's a gas, it's a solid, it's a liquid. That it reconciles these opposites necessary for the water to complete this cycle from evaporation all the way through those many forms back to the sea and its ultimate return. And so here you see in these Celtic traditions the same idea that somehow the water is special in all the elements. And you see this resonance then with the Dagra understanding that the water is somehow special in its beingness because it is not attached to form, because it is the great shapeshifter, great grandmother ocean, the spirit of water, the great shapeshifter, bringing us healing, reconciliation, and peacemaking. And water is essential to life as we know it. Fresh water, to be specific, is essential to life as we know it. To pollute the water is the most foolish act of a human. And we're doing it right now all over. But to embrace the gifts of water elementally We must embrace and come to understand our emotional body. So it is no wonder that we feel entitled to the water and ignore it as the sacred being that it is and think in our folly that we will somehow live on a planet without fresh water. Because water elementally is about our emotional body, our emotional life. And we are equally as dismissive and uh, feeling entitled to our emotions. In other words, what I mean by that is people live in a way that is disrespectful and dismissive, shutting down and tuning out their emotional body. But they expect the emotions that they want to show up precisely when they want them. So they feel entitled to the emotions that they want while they're in a life of utter disrespect and um, Denial and shutting down the emotions from the past, the emotions they think they don't want. And so our relationship with water on earth is is a direct reflection to our relationship with our emotions. And this is the great teaching of water, the shapeshifter. To understand that the elemental nature of the water is emotions. Old emotions don't flow. Fear of possible feelings in the future don't flow. Water that lies stagnant putrefies and no longer supports life. And this is the state, either frozen or stagnant, of most people's emotional life in the contemporary culture. 
And this is the great gift of water and why it is such a healer for us. So in transformation, we go to the water to learn about warriorship. Water is the warrior who teaches us to dissolve our attachments to form and to open our hearts. For wisdom can only flow into an open heart, just as water can only flow into an empty vessel. In the same way that water gains the wisdom by moving through all those shapes to come back and return to source, it's the same with our emotions. And so we go to the water for that warriorship to understand how to let go of form and shape shift as we need to, to become the people we've truly come here to be. And I feel that coming back in a right relationship with our emotional body is absolutely the warriorship of our time. And that our, our refusal to do it is manifest in the wars, in those acts of violence where we are unable to manifest peace and reconciliation because we are so profoundly dysfunctional in our emotional lives. And in that refusal to grow up and be a spiritual adult emotionally, we are in hideously dysfunctional relationship with water. And then as a result of that, we're polluting our water source, fracking, Fukushima, everyday activities, the, all the plastic floating in the sea. We are foolish. And yet, if we were to come into right relationship with the water, we could change all of this. Because it's the very teaching of the water itself. The teaching through the shape-shifting to become the force of healing, to become the ability to reconcile, to become the inspiration, the model for peace. So in the Dagra cosmology, this, this, this dynamic with the water is so beautifully, simply represented. So in their cosmology... There's a five-element cosmology. So in the center of the medicine wheel, you have the earth. And below the earth, you have the fire. And on either side, you have nature and metal, which are their two, two other elements. And above the earth, in what would basically be the north, you have the earth element, you have the water. But what is interesting about the Dagra cosmology is that the size of the earth and nature and metal are basically the same spatially the fire on the other hand which would be you would think of it as one quarter of this wheel and the water being the um, correlating quarter of the wheel is not the same size it's actually about an eighth instead of a quarter and the water on the other hand takes up that extra part of the wheel and so it is bigger than a quarter and it's so, it's so simply represented in the Dagra cosmology, the fact that the water, we need more, but it also is more. Because not only is it larger in the cosmology, but it's represented in the blue and the black, the shallow water and the deep water. So not only is it larger than the fire, but it has these two elements. So the question for you then 
the question for a human, for me as well, is are you going to stay in the waiting pool your whole freaking life, right? Are you going to stay there in the blue water, living your life where you can see your feet and still touch the shore, where if you fell over, you'd be in six inches of water, right? Are you going to live your life in the kiddie pool or are you going to swim out to the black water? Are you going to swim out to where you need to risk the dark waters of your life and to meet what lives there under the surface? Are you willing to learn to swim in your true emotional life, in the true depths and heights of who you are, what it means to be a human, the ecstasy and the suffering? Are you willing to get out of the kiddie pool get out of the blue water and go out into the true dark waters of your emotional life. This is the great question of the water. Are you willing to grow up and learn to swim? So when we focus on the element of water, we are focusing on the quality of relationship we have with our emotions, on how we allow our emotions to flow or not flow in our lives. So when we focus on going to the water for transformation, we are working with the water as the warrior who is willing to change form, to do whatever it takes to create the freedom of flow and to transform enemies into allies. And this is about creating the space of an open heart in life so that we can properly learn from life as the teacher and gain wisdom from our experiences in life. So it is about what is needed to cultivate a wise heart. And so we go to the water, obviously, for purification and cleansing. And we can do this through um, a libation, through drinking water we can go this through baths um it's it's not uncommon um even today for the helping spirits in an everyday contemporary shamanic healing session to be get for a person to be given a prescription to bathe to go take a bath and to um perhaps use bath salts or particular essential oils to do it certain number of times to do it thinking about a certain thing and then allowing the refuse of that thought process to go down the drain, that the the simple act of purification and cleansing through bathing or even simply through drinking is um, really powerful medicine. And so we go to the water for purification and cleansing, which means the simplest way to begin to engage with water in your life, if you're pretty sure you are one of those people who's totally out of balance with water, and your own emotional life. I mean, most of you have reasonably good hygiene, which means you get in the water probably every day to take a bath or a shower. When you turn on the faucet, give thanks. Why wouldn't turning on the faucet and having this great abundant resource of flowing water be a thing to be grateful for? To give thanks for pure water flowing into your home. And for your ability with abundance of this water to stand there and shower in it for goodness sakes or to take a beautiful bath. 
to give thanks every single time you turn on a faucet or poke the button on a water fountain, to give gratitude for the water in your life. So we go to the water for transformations that we want now, but with a little bit of breathing room. So it's not exactly like going to the fire where we want this transformation to happen right before our eyes. And it's certainly not not like asking to be struck by lightning and to be instantaneously transformed. That we can go to the water for a smoother, a little bit slower transformation, kind of more like the image of something dissolving in water. You know, when, it, when an ice, uh, sorry, sugar cube dissolves in water, it, it sort of collapses into a pile of sugar. And then the sugar and water around that pile become very, very concentrated at the bottom of the glass. But then as you stir it, or over time, if you waited long enough, the sugar would become evenly distributed through the water, more diluted in other words. So if you think about a great big hairy issue you're afraid to deal with, this would be the way to begin that transformation, to ask the water to come in and have you help it to dissolve, to lose its form, to dissolve, and then to begin to further disperse through the water. So it begins to be something that is not such a big problem, but is more diffuse and easier for you to clear and to deal with. And so water can help us to transform things. Sometimes I've even been called to work right where the waves crash on the, on the shore. That this place of um, somewhat forceful transformation is a way to invite the water to work its power against something that feels immovable. Maybe it's something that feels immovable and you've got some time for it to change. Then you can place it right there where the waves crash against the, the stone on the shore. And to have the water begin through its relentless hammering away through the waves that are created because of the pull of the moon. That this water can help you to change what seems immovable. Water, by its very nature, brings in this energy of regeneration and restoration. And so it is the opposite of that expression with the fire energy, that, that, that putting yourself out in the world. It's the willingness to let go then, to let go of these energies and that manifestation, even the dream, and to be empty and to return into the water to restore, to replenish, to cleanse, to refresh, to allow everything to be made new again so that it can be stirred then into the next expression. And because of our ability to do this and to learn to change ourselves as water changes, we begin to be the people that understand what can I let go of? So that I can be part of an act of reconciliation. Where do I stand? What is essential to me? What is necessary that I must hang on to? But what can I let go of? What can I let dissolve? What can actually go away? And allow the space here for reconciliation to happen. This is another reason to go to water. And ultimately in water, the act of peacemaking from a shamanic perspective 
has absolutely nothing to do with the way we do it in the contemporary world, which is mostly lie to each other, argue, and get ready for the next war. That peacemaking is about the willingness to see ourselves in the other and the other to see themselves in us and to begin to shapeshift out of the forms that require that we be enemies by the very nature of that form and to allow ourselves to rise to a higher state of manifestation, higher in that it is closer to the original dream in which we are all part of the oneness, we are all part of the life and that we understand how to be here in peace together. And that requires shape-shifting all around. But this is the potential for those of us who gain mastery of water. You know, mastery of fire is so showy. Back in the old, old, old days, at, at first contact with shamans, uh, shamans used to have these kind of festivals to sort of show off. And, um, you know, it's like advertising. This is, this is how powerful a shaman I am. And they, they did these sort of games, I guess you would say. It's like the Shaman Olympics. They would do stuff with fire, like throw fireballs and all this stuff to show their mastery of fire, which of course was a representation of the mastery of their inner fire. But what was a higher practice and not displayed in the Shaman Olympics was mastery of water the ability to be a true, truly connected to source, to be a vessel that brings that original dream into manifestation here in the world by helping the physical world see how it must make peace and reconcile and heal to evolve into the form it was truly dreamt to be. So most important in understanding the relationship between your physical practices and your actual relationship with the water. It's very important to have practices that allow you to practice fluidity and shape-shifting, changing ideas, changing your relationship, changing your sense of self, so that you can be not so attached to your form and able to shape-shift into the person who can actually bring your gifts to the world. So what can working with the water look like? So the first I've already mentioned, which is to become aware of everything you do in the day that connects with water and to give thanks for it. The fact that we can turn on a tap and get fresh, clean, flowing water into our homes, heated when we want it to, is an unbelievable blessing. It's one of the first things that shamans talk about when they come for the first time into um, the world that has plumbing is just the amazing gift it is to bring this most essential of elements into our home and to be in relationship with it there. So start doing that. Give thanks. The next thing would be to notice the actual bodies of water that exist in your physical world around you. A pond at a park. A creek that runs along a bike path, rivers, lakes, I mean, those are usually more obvious, but they're often bodies of water, even if it's just a fountain. And to go to these places, perhaps, the next step, after noticing them and giving thanks to them, would be to go to them and, and give thanks 
make an offering to the water. An offering can be a blessing, a spoken blessing. It can be a song. It can be a prayer. But it also can be a stone, a shell. It can also just be a bit of alcohol, a bit of spirit, honoring the spirit of the water. There are many ways to give thanks to the water for being present in your life and bringing the beauty that it brings, bringing the peace that it brings. Why is it that people want to kayak and canoe and go out on the water? It's peaceful. Why is it that sail boaters throw their oars out at annoying jet skiers? Because the noise of the motorboats and the jet skis interrupts that peace that people go out on the water to find. It's okay. I'm not saying you shouldn't jet ski or be in your motorboat. But the point is, we go to the water for peace. So consider what you do in your life that impacts the purity of the world's water source. Consider your sense of entitlement to fresh water. Consider the immaturity around the water. Where will we all be when we have no more clean water? So I have done water rituals in a shower. I've done water rituals in a bathtub. You can do water rituals in your contemporary home, even with a bowl, cup, a thimble of water. Part of what I love about offering the cycle teachings in Oregon is that in Oregon there is an abundance of natural water sites. And I have the ability almost year-round, but not quite. I don't do it in the winter. But I have the ability to throw people into the water so that we actually immerse in the water all the way over our heads to truly get in it and allow it around us and to be in this beautiful elemental ancestor. Remember that each glass of water that you drink is a gift from the source. That you could do a simple ritual, perhaps with just a glass of water, perhaps with a pond at the park, perhaps with a particularly spectacular puddle that always tends to form right there on your way to work. To make an offering, to give a gift, to be in relationship with the water as a sacred being. And with the water, like all the elements, there is its destructive force. The water does self-organize and become the tidal wave, right? And that this is the crazy logic of the water, that which defies the flowing and the peacemaking and the reconciliation of the water. So what does it mean in your life when there is a tidal wave, a flood, when when all is washed out? What does, that could mean many things, of course. But in relation to the water element itself, it's water speaking to the need for transformation in our emotional lives. That, that, that we're talking about the actual relationship between the identified you who makes the decisions in the day and takes the actions and your emotional body. What kind of relationship do you actually have with your emotional body? Do you listen to your emotions? In the clearing form that I teach, you actually have to tune in and imagine that you sense and feel what's going on in your body. And it's always interesting to me how many people really are utterly and completely numbed out. Not because they're numb, 
but because they have a habit of having that relationship with their emotional body. Their emotions are still happening. Their emotional body is still having a life, but they're not part of it because they've numbed themselves out to it. It's, it's, it's amazing. And it's amazing how much the person, the, ide- the, the identity organized person believes they're in control and they're not having any emotions. But the emotions are there having a life without you. And so our integrity has to do with the quality of our relationship with our emotional life. It's always happening, but are we happening with it? And this is the great teaching of water. What kind of relationship do you have with your emotional body? And perhaps this is the first thing that you should take to a water ritual to transform. Maybe your first water ritual could be, how do you transform and restore right relationship with the water so that you are able to flow with the energies in your life? And so when we go to the water, to the great-grandmother water, We are asking her to help us to have a relationship that rejuvenates with our emotions. That without a relationship with our emotional life, we actually don't rejuvenate, is my point. We don't restore. That it is through, this is is Taoism, that it is through our healthy relationship with our emotions, which means a healthy relationship in the yin aspect of who we are. That allows us to rest, to restore, to rejuvenate. So that's what allows you to sleep at night for those of you that don't sleep. That's what allows you to detox the puffiness for those of you that have chronic inflammatory diseases. This is all about our relationship with water. And that through a right relationship with water, we cultivate a healthy and ongoing state of emotional well-being. That we bring healthy emotions to the way we engage with our day, with our activities, with the people, places, things in it. And that we become in that way a force for health, peace, rest, reconciliation all around us. Then when we have a right relationship with water, we have a deeply felt life. And that we are, in a sense, at home in the black water. That we've learned to swim. We've learned to float. We have allies there. You know, dolphins to play with in the dark waters of our life. That's what deep feeling means. And deep feeling means that we have complete accessibility to all facets of our emotional life. And our emotional life has access to us. And from this, from this deep relationship with the dark water of who we are, we come into a place of true integrity. And it's from that place of integrity that we really can be the possibility of change, reconciliation, and peacemaking in our world. And so we call out to the spirit of water, this great grandmother, the great shapeshifter. To help us to be not so attached to our form, to be willing to flow, to be the rapids and the waterfalls, and when needed, the deep, vast, still pools, but to be what is needed for humanity to come to a place of reconciliation and peace 
so that there is a world here that sustains life that we leave for those who are coming. So give great gratitude to this ancient ancestor, the water, to great grandmother ice, and to her companion, grandfather fire. And I give thanks to all of the ancestors that came of the dreaming of these two most ancient ancestors. And I ask all of the ancestors, the human ancestors included, to help us, the living, come into right relationship with all of the elements that we might be better humans, simpler, more powerful, with hearts that are full and open, hearts that are strong and clear, that we can access the powers of the human heart and bring them to bear in our world. So I give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. For those of you that would like to actually learn how to work powerfully, masterfully with the elements, you can join me in Masters of Illusion and the Authentic Self, which is the beginning of the cycle teachings, which are all about working with the elements and coming into right relationship with all of your wisdom bodies. And there is still room for the group that begins August 20th through 25th here outside of Portland. You can register through the lastmasscenter.org website by going to the calendar and clicking on August. I hope you will join me. So next week we begin a different series, which will be a series about exploring mental illness and how shamans see it. Thank you, everyone. Remember... Turn on the water and give thanks. Have a good week.